Welcome to Economics in Action, a podcast where we explore topics and ideas related to economics. In this episode, we're going to break down the study of economics to its basics. It's easy to get confused about what economics actually is when we hear so many things in the daily news talking about stock prices or Federal Reserve decisions, government budget deficits, and trade wars with other countries. Add to that the fact that economics is already a complex subject. It's really millions of people making daily decisions about what to buy and sell while also responding to the actions and reactions of everybody else, and then add into the mix incomplete information, spillover effects, feedback loops, global interconnectedness, and our inherent psychological biases, and what you get is a messy soup of atoms all bumping around and bouncing off of each other. So how do we simplify things? The first thing we need to do is get rid of money and prices. Yes, they are very important, even essential, but they aren't actually necessary for us understanding the economy in a basic way. In fact, most people new to economics believe that money is the most valuable thing in the world, but when you really think about it, money, paper dollars, or digital entries in banking ledgers are pretty useless in and of themselves. The real value of money is actually the fact that we all agree to accept it in exchange for what we actually want. What we actually want are goods and services. Money and prices are just tools to help us solve our main problem, which we'll get to in a second. In fact, economists make a distinction between two kinds of variables or measures in the economy, nominal and real. Nominal measures look at things in prices. For example, nominal GDP is a measure of how many times all the money in the economy exchange hands within a year. And my nominal salary is what my employer pays me every year in dollars. Real variables, on the other hand, look at things in terms of goods and services or real resources. For example, real GDP accounts for price changes in the economy and tries to get out how many extra real goods and services were made from the previous year. And real salary measures how many actual goods and services I can buy. So the second thing we need to do is focus on the real, the material, the things we can hold and touch. We'll eliminate decisions, thoughts, preferences, and desires, and all the other psychological states for now. When thinking about the real side of economics, I want you to imagine the study of economics as one big problem. And that is how to take all of the inputs in an economy and arrange them in a way to produce the best outputs. We're going to leave the middle part out, which is how to arrange the inputs to keep things very simple. So what are the inputs? Well, the inputs are going to be all of our factor resources, the things we need to make the outputs. These are the basic ingredients for all economic production and include things like workers, machines, buildings, technology, and know-how. These inputs are going to be put together in some way to create the outputs that we value. Things like TVs, cars, computers, haircuts, YouTube videos, and lettuce. The big economic problem is this. How do we arrange those inputs in order to produce outputs that, one, are the maximum amount we can produce with our given inputs? We want to use our inputs to make the most amount of stuff we can. And number two are things we actually want and in the amounts we want. 
For example, even if we could produce a lot of left shoes, we don't want all of our inputs only going to producing left shoes. We also want other stuff, especially right shoes. When we solve number one and number two, we call this economic efficiency. We are producing the most amount of things that people really want with our given resources. The big problem that we are solving, and it is a really big problem, is sometimes referred to as constrained optimization problem. That's because we are constrained in the amount of resources that we have. They are limited, and it's an optimization problem because we're trying to configure the resources in such a way that optimizes our satisfaction or utility. While we can think about the economy in this simplified way, what we have left out is actually the really hard part, the how. How do we arrange the resources in the best possible way? Classical economic thought tells us that the best way is to leave it up to individuals to decide how to use those resources in a manner they see fit. This is known as the free market system. This is where money and prices come back in and help to influence people's decisions on how to use those resources. Another way is for one authority to make decisions for the rest of us as to how to use the resources. This is known as central planning or government, and there can be a mix of these two. But at the heart is our input-output problem. This is really the aim of economics. However, as with all simple explanations, there are caveats, things we need to be careful about. And here we have three. The first is that just increasing output is good up until a point. After all, we could maximize our output by exhausting our labor resources, working 120 hours a week or more. However, we don't just care about fulfilling our material needs and wants. We care about other things, such as enjoying life, spending time with our family and friends, safety, having purpose. These things aren't captured in the input-output model because they don't have to do with producing and consuming goods and services. The second thing that we care about is preserving the quantity and quality of our inputs, not just the outputs. Most of the time we measure economic process in pure output numbers, GDP. But what about the destruction or depletion of the environment that takes place in the production process? For example, when we clear out a natural forest for a housing development, sure we benefit because of the additional houses, but we also lose something. So while we want the most from our inputs, we also want to make sure that the inputs maintain their quality and abundance as well. And lastly, our input-output problem is a cooperative endeavor. Because maximizing outputs involves the contribution of every member of society, we all depend on one another to reap those benefits. Humans are the most important input, and if some or many of this most valuable input are not taken care of, we will have a less than optimal outcome to our problem. Therefore, we need to make sure that everyone has the incentives, the support, and the investment needed to participate in solving this collective problem. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the show or write in the comments what you like about it.